Hey, everybody, Tom and Keith with you. A tip of the cap to the Dunlap Champions Club, which allows us to bring Front Row Knowles to you via the podcast, commercial-free each and every week. You know, one of the things that's interesting is we've now got a, a little bit of um, the season under the belt, and, and people are familiar with the Champions Club, uh, enjoying all the uh, club-level amenities, the food, the soft drinks, access to beer, wine, mixed drinks. Uh, you you, you got to check this place out. If you hadn't had a tour, Make sure you call 850-583-9066, line one. You can set up a tour. You can also call that number to buy your tickets. Uh, but it's something you should educate yourself about before you make the decision not to because I think once you get in there and look at it, you'll go, I want to. It's a, tr- it's a tremendous experience for sure. And you don't have to buy the, the full season. You can do a half-season package, which uh, you can choose the Miami or Louisville games in any two of the other four games. Uh, so basically, you can spend three games in the Dunlap Champions Club, test drive it, sample it, figure out if it's for you. We encourage you to do so, and we thank them for their support. Now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. I can't believe it's finally here. Alabama week. No, this week's version of Front Row Knowles. Oh, sorry, KJ. (laughs) No, seriously, for all, when you looked at the calendar, we finished up that Orange Bowl, everybody was riding high, and you thought, that's great, but the downside of how you feel after the bowl game is, we got to get through February, March, April, May, June, July, August, finally play some more football. Now we're 72 hours away. There you go. Have your thoughts been crystallized in there in terms of what's going to happen uh you can call me the pendulum i have now swung back to the paranoia side <laughs> well every year as we've discussed on this show you get a little older you get a little more paranoid uh, i'm not sure if that's you or if that's coming for me too and because we years. talked about last week this week today's show uh we wanted to get a little more in depth uh, on alabama so i i during the week made the mistake of reading up on alabama and things they did last year, people they got coming back, things they're looking to add, and uh, that pendulum went from optimism all the way back over to, to a little bit of uh, pessimism. Uh, I think I'll right the ship by the time uh, eight o'clock, eight fifteen rolls around on Saturday. But um, I, I can't remember, and I've been around a long time, and you have as well. Uh, the, the the hype for this game is now off the chart. The hype for this is, is out of control. It really is. And rest assured that regardless of the result on Saturday, we will all overreact. If Florida State loses, it's the end of the year. Everything's over. If Florida State wins, book your return trip to Atlanta. And, oh, by the way, there's there's 12 games left plus another playoff game before that comes to fruition. Exactly. So overreaction will be key this week. What concerned or alarmed you the most in terms of reading the Alabama going up on Alabama going back to and again you can't necessarily compare last year's group Alabama's defense to this year because they lost so many people but uh, the the two things that jumped out at me that I had not processed well and our listeners may not have uh, either Alabama only gave up 63 yards per game on the ground 
That's all they allowed each opponent. And they only gave up about 13 or 14 points a game, and that includes the 30-something that uh, Clemson put on them in the national championship game. Uh, this is a really stout defense, and Pruitt, uh, with his time at FSU, understanding a Jimbo, uh, obviously Jimbo understanding Pruitt, but that matchup hasn't been talked about. Everybody's been talking about Saban versus Jimbo. Uh, but really the, 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 the nitty-gritty stuff is Jimbo's play calling against Jeremy Pruitt's play calling. Pruitt being the defensive coordinator for Alabama. And when you start looking at the numbers that way, it will call it, it will give you pause because you know Florida State's offensive line, though Jimbo talks like he has been very, very pleased with what they've been able to accomplish in camp. And we know that Dalvin ran for 1,700 yards last year, but this is the same offensive line group with the exception of Roderick. Uh, Johnson that that couldn't protect Francois so now you start mixing all those together and you see where that pendulum is sliding back to the other side you know the show that precedes this one uh, the Jeff Cameron show Jeff has gone the opposite way on the pendulum because he had Alabama winning a thousand to nothing two weeks ago and now he's on. He's come more to the middle, where he's not going to be surprised at all if Florida State wins. And it's Those like, are my words, not his. But I'm. And it's like everything else in life. You're over here. You're over here. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Truth. Well, that's what I always say. The truth is in the middle. Um, the Jeremy Pruitt conversation. I've wondered when that would come up too. And it, there's been much more talk about Nick. Matter of fact, Jimbo on the ACC teleconference earlier today was asked uh, specifically by a member of the Alabama media or somebody who covers the Tide. You know, what's one thing you took? that you do now from Nick. And he didn't give one specific thing. He just said, philosophically, Nick and I are really wired the same way. So you present an issue, we think about it the same way. And that's, uh, so Jimbo didn't name the process or name how he seats guys on the buses or where he puts the lockers the way, or how he conducts practice, but those might have been crystallized along the way too. Do you know where that, that philosophy foundation comes from? West Virginia. West Virginia. I mean, there there is a definite mindset amongst folks from that area because it's it's a ruggedly beautiful place but it's a very hard place to grow up and live i know that my mom was born and raised in west virginia and and there's a uniqueness about those west virginia hillbillies and i don't mean that in a negative sense uh the 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 strength of character and uh, the ability the work ethic and the thought process about okay it's not woe is me it's i've got work to do and and that is strong and evident from people from that region. Going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, all the stats have been trotted out here. None of Nick's former assistants have ever beaten him. Nick's never lost an opener while at Alabama. Of course, Jimbo hasn't either. Nor has Jimbo lost to Nick, for that matter, if you want to spin that the other way. I do think the the point that that has come out, Alabama has a more talented team, 1-85, to 85, if you count up five stars and four stars or whatever. But 1-85 to 85 doesn't matter in one game. I mean, 1-45 to 45 matters or 1-40, to 40, however many guys it is. And Florida State's pretty comparable there, the way they've recruited. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty doggone good Florida State team. I think the one thing, uh, and we'll talk more about this with Tim and, and we get in later in this show, I think the one thing that I'm going to pay most attention to or is going to be the first thing I look for is who wins third down. In the Clemson game, uh, depending on what set of stats you go with, Alabama was like one for 14 on third down with less than nine yards to go or eight yards to go, whatever that stat was. They were just horrible on third down. And and conversely, for Florida State, I think the key uh, is can they can they have success on first down? 
so they stay out of the third and long situation. So for Florida State offensively first down, for Florida State defensively third down, you win those two battles, I think you win this ballgame. And what Jimbo has typically done, and there's been a lot of conversation about it, is he'll throw the ball on neutral down. So he's not afraid to throw on first and ten, second and six, what have you, to stay ahead of the chains to help the running game. Exactly. I think when you look at Alabama and where they've suffered losses the last few years, it has to do with facing a competent passing attack, somebody that can can go vertical on the field. doesn't have to be a hurry-up tempo offense doesn't have to be a mobile quarterback has to be somebody that can stretch the field because they can throw the ball and 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 i think that jimbo will see how that looks early in the ball game he'll take some shots down the field and i love the receiving core that we're going to see unveiled for florida state now tate missed practice on tuesday did we get an update on Uh, him we got confirmation we can ask tim about it in our next segment we got confirmation that he wasn't injured i don't know why he left he left early he didn't miss is that what it was okay he left early i think but you know, we're in the conspiracy era to, to feed your paranoia that, you know, anything well, we see may well, be significant. We're, we're, no, we're in the Matthew Thomas era. Well, that's what we're in. And, and in this case, what we haven't seen is significant because Matthew Thomas has not been seen heading to or from practice. Jimbo was asked about that earlier today on the ACC teleconference by Andrea Adelson of ESPN. Uh, I think her question was, did Matthew Thomas return or when will he return from practice? And here's Jimbo's response. He did not return to practice yet, but... Uh thought he would have by now which I we thought he would have had been there but uh we'll see and if he if he's ready to play he'll play as far as eligibility he's, I mean he runs on his own stays in conditioning from everything I hear so as far as that and he knows he knows our scheme inside now they practice his first week so he's been doing it for a long time Andrew then followed up with a second question are you concerned about getting him back to which Jimbo said well until he's back I'm concerned all right so you, you may translate what that means Yes, you, you you heard a little bit of a snippet in there in that first comment. He used the e word, eligibility, right? And when he says he doesn't know, that tells me I've not confirmed this, but just listening to that, that tells me that this is an NCAA eligibility issue. There's been something that's occurred. Florida State has appealed it to the NCAA, and they are awaiting word from the NCAA as to whether Matthew Thomas is eligible. Uh, can you say Diego Romero? For those that uh, remember well, that's Florida re- State that's basketball, really old school. Well, and it could be a myriad of things, and I don't want to speculate on what that. I'm is. just saying, and, and the I'm reason, just saying and the that's what it is. I don't know what part right, it is. Right, right. And I don't want to speculate on that. Really, what it comes down to is, are you going to have him or not? So let's just hypothetically say that he comes back to practice. Uh, well, that he's at. Pra- we're recording the show that he was at practice on Wednesday, or that he returns on Thursday, and he's in the greatest shape of his life, and he's a fifth year guy who's been around. What can he possibly contribute on Saturday, having not been involved in any of the game planning this week? And I'm sorry, Jimbo may disagree, uh, but very little. I mean, he, he's, could, he's, could he, he's a non-factor. Could he play every third or fourth series so that uh, Emma doesn't have to? Possibly. Just to keep him fresh? Possibly, but it will not be a – I'll be shocked if it's a significant uh, contribution by Matthew Thomas. So bottom line, in your estimation, short-term – he's not going to be able to help the cause long term hopefully he's still back and he he could put together a terrific senior season very much so well let's hope that it uh, it plays out that way obviously this the saga is uh, i guess it's two weeks old at this point so he did it's not as if he didn't practice this fall he did go through the first what 10 maybe two weeks of practice and then he's missed two weeks uh so it's not like he hasn't done anything since spring but chew on it as you as you will and and you would know keith as a former player even if you know everything if you're not getting the reps daily it's tough to come back and now you, you 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 can do some things and you can be of some uh, significance, but you're not going to return to 
you know, form that quickly. My opinion. The good news for Florida State is they have a lot of other very talented defenders uh, out there. It's it's going to be a, a fun atmosphere for sure on Saturday night. Speaking of fun atmospheres, do you know who's having a birthday tomorrow? Who is having a birthday tomorrow? No, Elvis's death. Well, that doesn't count. Nope. Elvis's birthday is in January. For the sake so of, of not, I don't know anything else more about Elvis. Bad radio portion uh, <laughs> of the show. Uh, Madison Social is having a birthday tomorrow. They're turning four years old. So happy birthday to Madso. They've been with us uh, from the start. Uh, we're too old, I think, to partake in that birthday party, perhaps, uh, or and or we weren't invited. But you know, it is what it is. But anyway, uh, they've they've done great things for that whole. Uh, part of town college town and and the whole revitalization that's taken place there so happy birthday to them encourage you to uh, head on out to madison social it will be in play uh, quite frequently over the the next several months since we're into football season if now you, if you are not in atl on saturday then you should be at college town there you go all right our tim linnefelt is our seminoles.com insider he will be in the atl on saturday we'd have to call him an outsider if he wasn't and he will join us in our next segment when we continue on front row knolls Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. That is the walk-up music for one Tim Linnefelt. And as we get into football season, Keith, it occurs to me that hopefully we won't have to change that walk-up music now that uh, we're going to have wins uh, and or potentially losses on the field. As we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, I'll remind you that we do so via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, ensuring your future together online at earlbacon.com. Tim Linnefelt, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Good. It's game week, finally. It is, it is. It seems like it took longer to get here than usual, but finally, uh, it, we're here. We made it. You know what? Maybe this is my age, or maybe it's because I don't cover practice daily like you do. I felt like August went by more quickly than I expected. Do you disagree? Well, you know, I think somebody uh, said the other day that uh, that days feel like weeks and weeks feel like days or something like that. I think that's probably accurate. You know, on a day-to-day basis, sometimes uh, between the heat and then you know the hours and all that kind of stuff, it feels like it drags a little bit, but then at the end of it, you look back and, you know, wonder where all the time went. It felt maybe more like that this year than previous year. So, uh, you know, yes and no. So we will have some rapid fire coming up in a little bit. But as we talk oh, ab- we talk about this. You can't oh, wait. You can't wait, I know. You, I didn't even give you a warning on social media. So that was your warning. You've got about five minutes to digest it before we fire away. What, what's your general uh, overarching thought on the keys in this matchup? Uh, you mean the Florida State-Alabama game? I do. Sorry for not <laughs> clarifying. You know, I, I think every game comes down to – the trenches, the offensive lines versus defensive lines. But, man, it really feels that way uh, this year. You have two of the best defensive lines in the country, two offensive lines that lost some pretty key position or pretty key players from last year. Uh, you know, who has guys ready to step up? Who can, you know, go into their first game playing in either new roles or expanded roles and, and take that step the quickest? Because, you know, neither side is going to be easing into the season. You know, Florida State's offensive line is going to have its hands full, but then Alabama's is too. And so I think whoever – can get the best of that matchup is probably who's going to win the game. Pretty yeah, simple, really. Yeah, Tim, uh, Jimbo has been uh, effusive, if that's the right pronunciation of the, of that word. 
uh, with his praise of the offensive line. But then everything in camp has been positive this year. How much improvement should we, as we watch this offensive line, how much improvement should we expect? What's what's reality? Uh, I think it's probably pretty good. I, you know, I if you compare the way, the way that Jimbo has talked uh, about his guys uh, this year compared to even last season, it, you know, it really is a, a pretty stark difference. You know, you're, you're right. I think you know a week or two ago, you guys were asking me, it's like, all right, when's the when's the negative coming? When's the rant coming? When's when's angry Jimbo going to show up after practice? And he never really did. Um, and so. I think he feels pretty good about this matchup. I think they they like their offensive line combination. I know you know a little while ago we were sort of talking about how you wanted to have a, a more solidified starting five uh, two weeks out from Alabama. Well, they've actually been uh, been pretty solidified over the last few weeks uh, with uh, with Derek Kelly over at the left tackle spot and, and Alec Everly in the middle and and Rick Leonard at right tackle. Once they once they settled in on that, they they really haven't wavered from it. And so. Um, you know, I actually think that they could hold their own. Uh, if, if what we've heard on Alec Everly is true, which is that he was in excruciating pain all last year and, and has since corrected that issue, then I think it's reasonable to expect him to take a pretty big step. Uh, and then, you know, I'm actually kind of optimistic about Derek Kelly. You know, uh, Josh Sweat came to uh, post-practice interviews on Monday and really just couldn't say enough good things about him. He said there were, there were two guys at Florida State that have given him issues uh, since he's been here. One was Roderick Johnson, who, of course, now is in the NFL. And the other one, uh, spoiler alert, was uh, was Derek Kelly? So uh, to me, that, that pretends good things. Um, and you know, look, Alabama's defensive line, their front seven, is even with all the guys they lost, and they lost a few. Those guys are really good. They're going to win some plays, no doubt. Uh, but if Florida State's offensive line can just hold its own, uh, I think it means pretty good things. And I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. I really do. I mentioned in the prior segment, and I, and I am the more I've looked at this, uh, the more I'm convinced of it. The key for Florida State's success offensively is they have got to win on first down. They've got to stay out of second and long and third and long against this Pruitt defense. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair to say. Uh, what you don't want is, and we know how aggressive Jeremy Pruitt uh, can be. We saw it firsthand. You know, the last thing you want is a, a third and eight where you're having to drop back, having to make some throws, and you're letting that, that powerful front seven and also those really good defensive backs kind of you know play into their element. So, no, you're right. Uh, get into you know, second and four, third and two maybe allowing Jacquez Patrick to, to pick up a, a short first down for you, keep the chains moving, uh, I think it's probably a good thing. You know, uh, there, there's I was expect to be some, some big plays on Saturday uh, because, you know, first game of the season, somebody's going to miss an assignment, somebody's going to slip on the turf, something. You know, there might be some jitters. But I think the team that is able to have, you know, more sustained drives, you know, 8, 10, 12 play drives that chew up a bunch of clock, uh, I like that team's chances. And I think both teams are probably going to try to do that. Tim, I'm going to deviate uh, away from this game, and then we'll bounce back to it. But uh, softball, not, not softball, volleyball and soccer are already underway. And I, I was mildly surprised that soccer dropped a game, and uh, hopefully it's not an indicator of things to come because they lost to Alabama on Sunday. But volleyball had a nice weekend. Uh, what should we expect from these two teams this year? Well, if you're, uh, if you're looking for an omen, not to drag everything back to football, but uh, Florida State played Alabama in soccer over the weekend. Uh, Alabama, an Alabama team that uh, is coached by a former assistant of Mark Krikorian's, uh, and came into that game as an underdog. Now you can read into that, <laughs> whatever. You I will. like the way that's good spin. Thank you. But hey, man, it's something, <laughs> right? It's something. So uh, no, look, I, I think the soccer team's going to be fine. They're they're one of, if not the most talented teams in the country. Uh, I'm sure they're not happy about dropping a game, but I think if you're Mark Rickorian, you know they, they've long sort of played and coached the postseason in mind, and and you know put themselves in the best position to be where they need to be come November and December. And if that means working some things out and maybe dropping a game on the road early on in the season. Uh, again, you'd prefer to win them or at least not lose them, but I don't know that anybody's losing sleep over it. 
Uh, volleyball, yeah, yeah, they, they're off to a really great start. Um, I think they're they're feeling pretty good about things. They have uh, a good mix of, of older players and newer players. And you know, what, what, what Chris Poole's done there, it's, it's kind of easy to forget. I mean, he's coming up. I think I think this is ten years for him. It's either nine or ten years. Uh, and came in and, and resurrected what was kind of a stagnant program, and now has it one of the one of the best in the nation. And if you haven't been to a uh, a volleyball match over at Tully Gym, it's actually a lot of fun. People, uh, it, it packs out pretty easily. You know, it doesn't hold a ton of people, uh, but it's almost like walking into a time machine. I mean, Tully being, uh, you know, sort of the, the the throwback era of collegiate gyms. You get the band in there, you get a pretty good crowd. It's a, it's a pretty fun time and a new scoreboard. Yeah, yeah, that too. Does uh, does Chris Poole turn the AC off like Hugh Durham used to as well? I mean, are we looking for <laughs> any advantage we can get in Tully? I don't know about that, but I'll mention it to him. Yeah, it's a, you know, hey, it's all, it's all fair, right? Exactly. exactly. All right, are, are you sitting down? We're gonna we're gonna get to the meat of this now. You're sit- because unlike last week, this test will be graded next week. So all right, we're, we're gonna know in seven days how you did. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. All right. This first question. Uh, is completely dependent on what kind of skill and expertise uh, and knowledge you truly have about this FSU team. It's going to be a coin toss on Saturday night. Heads or tails? Tails. All right, he's going tails. I always go tails. You can ask me that every week. I'll say the same thing. The over-under is uh, 49.5 total points in this game. Which way are you going? Under. Not Un- by much, though. Does FSU cover the seven-point spread? Yes. Does FSU win outright? Uh, it's too early for this. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Well, the del- that's not one of the options. <laughs> well, you know, it's going to have to be. The pregnant pause sort of answered the question, but we'll, we'll interpret. Yeah, we'll interpret. Okay, uh, that th- he can't get credit for that because he did not answer. Right? That's fine. Touchdown passes by thrown by DeAndre. Uh, I'm setting the bar at two and a half. Over or under? Under. Number of designed runs for DeAndre. Uh, that means we're factoring out sacks, uh, which would not count. So seven and a half is where I'm putting that over or under. Under. Good Num- number though. Number of carries by FSU's top rusher in the game, and I'm setting that number at sixteen and a half. Over. Over. Who's that rusher going to be? Jacquez Patrick. Okay. Over under four hundred yards of total offense for FSU. Under. Over under 400 total yards of offense for Bama. Under. Will Derwin James have an INT? Yeah. He had one I think against, he could have a really good game. He had one against Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Will McFadden have an INT? No. Will Jimbo speak to the media after the game? Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jimbo didn't speak to the media yesterday, and of course everybody drew their own conclusions about that. But Tim, you pointed out that uh, apparently things were shut down last year at this time before Ole Miss too, which uh, I had forgotten that. Yeah, yeah. What, what threw everybody off last week compared to this or last year compared to this year? Is remember that game was on a Monday, so uh, so Florida State's pregame or pre Ole Miss practice schedule was shifted a little bit. So I think that it actually didn't close until either Tuesday or Wednesday, but it was the equivalent of the Monday. So. Uh, you know, uh, you know, everybody likes to, to see what they can see, but it's really not that far out of the ordinary for, for practice to be closed down for a big game like this. All right, we're going to close it out on an easy question because I don't want you to get zero points next week when we grade this. Appreciate that. Will we all make too much of this result regardless of whether FSU wins or loses? I don't think so. And, and if, if you would allow me to go on a little bit of a, uh, a diatribe. By here, all I'm, means. I'm, but you know, I, I get everybody, you know, the ideas 
there's, there's people out there who say, you know, this, this game really isn't that big of a deal. It's not a conference game. It doesn't, you know, you can lose and still make the playoffs and all that stuff. Man, stop with that. Man, it's Florida State and Alabama, number one versus number three in Atlanta. It's a huge game. It's awesome. Like, allow yourself to embrace this. Uh, and, and furthermore, like, how, how much fun is it to go into a game like this and be like, well, we can lose and be fine? Like, that's no fun, man. What, what's, what's the point of that? Uh, no, it's, it's a really big game, and, and certainly if you win it, uh, I mean, you have a chance to be – whoever wins this game is going to be the number one team in the country, right? There's no doubt about that. You have the inside track uh, to the college football playoff. I mean, it's, it's a huge game, and I think we should let it be that. Uh, I do agree with the idea that Florida State could lose it and still make the college football playoff, but, man, that's, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, your margin for error is basically zero. I know there's a lot of folks out there who think that a Florida State team with two losses, one of them being Alabama, could still make the playoff, but – I don't know, do you really want to test that theory? I mean, it's a big game. Well, Tim has already written his headline for Seminoles.com, or the, the folks that handle that for him have already written it, and apparently it's either FSU wins and it's a big damn deal, or FSU <laughs> loses and it's a big damn deal. I, I, can, see the, I can see the headline. Is that, That's well, what you're saying. I, well, you know, I think it's fair to say that you know, a loss doesn't automatically derail the season by any means. But, you know, look, your, your margin for error if you're trying to make the playoff is, is basically nothing. Uh, at, at that point, and you know, Alabama, it's, it's a big game, but it's, it's also not the only game. There's some really difficult uh, teams on this schedule. FSU's playing five teams ranked in the top 25, the preseason top 25. Uh, you know, you don't have any room to stub your toe if you lose this game, in, in my opinion. So, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big game. I think we can, you know, allow it to be a big game and, and, and sort of have fun with it. And then, look, Alabama's tough, but the Florida State's tough too. And, and you know, being the first game of the year, there's just so much that you don't know. I mean, we expect Alabama to be really good, but. You know, they've got some new new players in in, in new roles and, and guys that are going to have to do things they haven't done before, uh, just the way Florida State does. And you know, expectations are, are one thing, but until you see guys do it, you don't really know for sure. So um, it's, it's a tough game to get a read on, but I do think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, folks, you heard it here. A first. How's that for a fire? first for front row Knowles? It is no longer the goat, the G O A T. It is now the I A B D D. Which one is that? It is a big damn deal. Oh, yeah. Why why would it not be, you know? Why would it not be? It is. It is. And we're all privileged enough that uh, we'll be there. You are our Seminoles.com insider. You're also a good sport for letting us uh, fire away every week, Tim. We'll see you in Atlanta. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Our Seminoles.com insider. Seminoles.com, the only place to uh, catch Jimbo's postgame pressers following every home game and uh, the most comprehensive coverage of FSU athletics. Hold that thought. Matthew's given us the stare. We've gone too long. We'll step aside and come back with more on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tim Lenefeld is in midseason form already. Already, exactly. He's had a good camp. We, as always, are in preseason form, I guess. But uh, the game uh, this weekend will signal the end of the preseason. What, uh, what? By the way, do you call it week zero or week one? I'm calling it week one. That's what I call it. But well, a lot pe- of folks calling it week zero. Well, they called last week week zero because there was sort of a few games, and this is really week one. This is week one. The okay. team we cover, it's week one. Understood. 
Florida State and uh, Bama since the first time since 07. Remember that game? I can't believe that's been a decade, by the way. Jimbo's first year here, Nick's first year at, at Alabama, Xavier Lee playing quarterback. What what I remember, and, and this is stupid trivia part, is there was so much media associated with that one as well. We were still doing games for Sun Sports at that time, and they did not have a booth for us. So Kennedy, Paul Kennedy and I actually televised the game from the upper deck of the corner of the end zone which was an interesting perspective because we had the monitors to show us everything sideline to sideline like you would see at home. And then we had the the alt-22, if you will, the high end zone look with our natural eyes. And it was an interesting ball game to see line splits and how things went. Florida State victorious, what, 21-14 in that game? I think that's right. A uh, long pass play with about four, four and a half minutes left to go. Kind Dakota. of a broken tackle in a, a long pass play. Yeah, Dakota Fag was the hero in that game, if memory serves. Yep. What, I, what I remember is uh, talking to – Coach Bowden leading up to the game and doing some sort of detailed stories about his fondness for Alabama because obviously he was an Alabama guy and uh, for a lot of years people assumed he would go back, talked about uh, why he didn't, that sort of thing. But uh, that was part of yep. the reason there was such significance there because that was his chance to get well, a win against Well, and there's been uh, a couple of media stories out this week. Uh, if, if folks uh, have forgotten, that uh, when Florida State played in Birmingham, the Birmingham Bowl, whatever, All-American Bowl? Right, 86. In 86, Coach Bowden thought he was going to be offered the Alabama job and but told him that he wasn't going to interview for it. He talked to him about it, but he wasn't going to interview. He shows up at the invitation of the Alabama president to a meeting in which there are literally a dozen or two dozen Alabama people there to talk to him. And and Bobby told the president, now, this is not an interview. I'm not going through this, and, and basically withdrew. And then in 90, uh, he was actually offered the job because former Florida State Athletic Director Hootie Ingram had left Florida State and gone to Alabama and was now the athletic director at Alabama in 90. And called Coach Bowden up and said, the job is yours if you want it, is how it was told to me. And Bobby uh, visited with Ann and said it only took about an hour and basically called Hootie back and said he wasn't interested. And, of course, FSU was then three or four years into the dynasty um, pros, uh, pro, part of the program. And uh, obviously Florida State faithful are glad that he made that decision. History would be a little different at both places, wouldn't it? Though had that uh, had that decision been made, so Florida State and Alabama renewing uh, acquaintances. You can't call it a rivalry; they haven't played very fr- frequently over the years. But uh, they're the top two teams in college football by wins over basically since Jimbo's been the head coach. And what what I can't imagine, and and we've talked about personnel a little bit, but the psychology of going against a guy who you've been in the war room with, like Jimbo and Nick, and Jimbo and Pruitt. It just feels like you could outthink yourself so much, whether you're Jimbo or whether you're Nick or Pruitt. So, uh, in other words, you look at it and say, well, third and seven, you know, Nick likes to do this, so I'll do this. But Nick knows that I know that I know that he knows, so I won't do that. I mean, you just you, you, you get paralyzed at some point if you do t- paralysis by analysis. I, I've thought about it this way, and obviously I was never in coaching. And the two gentlemen that I'm going to bring up, uh, one was a little bit, the other played 12 years in the NFL. But my process goes back to what would I do if I was playing against Mon- or against Bobby Butler, my, my uh, teammates from my time at FSU. And we were in the trenches, played together, started three years. If we'd all gone into coaching, and now 30-something years later, I'm playing Monk or I'm playing Bobby, what I would do is go with my first instinct. I wouldn't overthink it. 
And, and what you're saying is you could have a tendency to overthink. Well, it. you could. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, you we're could. In this, we're in this yeah. information. Even I would go with my gut instinct and just go with it. I'd make a decision. I'd call a play. I'd execute it. I'd make a decision. I'd call a play. I'd execute it. I wouldn't get wrapped up in overthinking it because it's it's natural to do that. So I would go against that trend. Uh, now, that's easy for me to say. I'm not having to do it, but for whatever it's worth, uh, you know, 38 seconds of your life you'll never get back. <laughs> well, and and the good news for you folks is we've got like 25 minutes and 38 seconds left of your life that you'll never get back before <laughs> you finish this show. Whatever the math is, I'm not looking at the clock right now. Anything else you didn't hit on in the first segment? That I, I mean, you special teams, special teams. Uh, we, we, we we haven't mentioned it, and that's a given. Whoever wrote the book will tell you that, particularly in the first game, special teams. And I like the way Florida State is set up this year in special teams. You know, that was an area. Uh, that candidly you would say FSU didn't score well in last year. Punts and punt coverage, punt returns were probably the biggest ones. We saw some evidence of some kickoff return with Gavin back there. Now you've got Gavin and Derek James, uh, Derwin James rather, uh, returning kicks. Um, Aguayo was okay last year. He's a year older. By all accounts, has, has improved and has gotten a little more consistent. Uh, I think that the, a big play in the special teams arena, positive or negatively, uh, is is going to raise its head in this ball game. And of course, we saw uh, Saban pull out uh, the onside kick a year or two years ago. Uh, obviously, Alabama's got talented people returning punts, returning kicks, as well as covering. Uh, I think special teams is going to play a role some way, shape, form, or fashion. It just usually does in this early early season ball game. Yeah, we've talked about it. Florida State special teams have not been special the last few years. And I'm talking about not the specialists, but the return games in particular. But last year was a rough year punting. So to me, the number one area Florida State needs to get better is punt coverage, and a lot of that has to do with how Logan punts. Correct. The number two area is punt returns. Catch the ball. And don't catch the ball when it's over your head and at the one-yard line, or try to. And then number three is kickoff returns, which have not been bad. I mean, uh, Kermit, obviously, he started at a high point and then never was able to replicate that. But it's not like he's been he was terrible. But I do think there's room for improvement there. The one area Florida State has been consistently good is kickoff coverage. Correct. And, uh, you know, field goals for all the talk about Aguayo and his struggles last year, he was 19 for 26 as a freshman. You know, I think on that, paper that, that if, is acceptable. If you didn't now, you if you split it down and you go, well, he was seven for seven in game one. So after that, he wasn't as you know. Yeah. But if you just look at it on paper, that's a freshman. You'd think he'd be a little bit better this year. Plus, I think I think it's very easy because uh, the first thing came back to my mind. All right, he was that. But you know, the boy from Carolina kicked one from fifty five and got us and beat us. You know, we we tend to focus on what other teams did when they had a special uh, play of. Uh, in a special arena and, and obviously that kick will go down in history for a long time but florida state should have never been in that position in the carolina ball game so another topic for another day well you mentioned the north carolina game and we talked about this a little bit but that north carolina game is remembered remembered for that kick and for the fact that defense didn't hold north carolina at the end but the first quarter of that game florida state drove the ball three consecutive times and missed three field goals in a roll, row so i'm asking you right now if the ball is at the 32 yard line and it's the first or second. It's in the first quarter. Florida State ball, 32, and it's fourth down and three. Are you kicking a 49-yard field goal, or are you going for it and risking the field position there because your defense is so good? It depends on whether it's the first drive of the game. If it's the first drive of the game, I always kick the field goal. If it's the second or third drive of the first quarter, 
and we're still zero to zero or, or whatever, yes, I go for it. First drive, I always take the points when I got an opportunity to take points. Well, where do you draw the line in terms of how long a field goal you would attempt i.e. you said 49 so if it's 52 are you feeling the same way i mean where what are you comfortable with in terms of saying okay go kick this field goal go out 49 i'd be comfortable with 52 i mean 50 yard line is just kind of my demarcation but again repeating myself first drive of the game field goal attempt 50 yards or less i'm going with the field goal attempt second or third drive fourth and three fourth and four i'm going for it because i want to send a message to my team i'm going to stay with the book on the first possession because you always want to come away with points on that first possession but after that i'm playing the gambler style against alabama well the fourth down math would tell you it's not necessarily the gambler style it's been the traditional way that football has been played but uh, nowadays, when you start looking at the numbers, you might be better suited to go. I'm just curious how that that will play out. And I'm not advocating for going for it on your own side of the field in fourth and eight. But I, I do think that over the course of this, there's probably one to two times a game where you might have a decision that, that rather than punt or kick the field goal, let's really think about, all right, maybe this is a time to go for it here. Well, I think what you're speaking to is, and, and this would be a fair statement, last year, in those situations, Jimbo would kick the field goal without hesitation. I think even Jimbo would tell you this year he'll think it a little differently. We'll find out starting on That Saturday. we will. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to take care of all your power tool needs. they got a couple locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. We will visit with a former football player for the Crimson Tide and the Seminoles when we roll on on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, and we return to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, ensuring your future together. And say hello to a, uh, a longtime Knoll. Former Tide football player as well. That little tease before the break. Only the old-timers would know who we're referring to. It's Billy Sexton. Coach, how are you? I'm doing fine. Appreciate you joining us for a few minutes. And uh, for those who, uh, well, most of the listeners of this show probably do remember Coach Sexton, who uh, coached with Bobby for 30 years, but uh, played at Alabama under the Bear for a couple of years and transferred back and and finished up your career at FSU. So when you came back to FSU or came to FSU in the early 70s, surely you knew at that point that someday years down the road we'd be preparing for the GOAT, the greatest opener of all time between Alabama and Florida State, right? Well, it'll be a great football game. Uh, they're at the top of their game. We're at the top of our game, and it's going to be a great opening game. Jimbo talks a lot about making sure that guys are ready at the right time, i.e., it does you no good if you're completely focused and dialed in at Wednesday's practice. We need you that way 8 o'clock on Saturday night. When you were coaching with Bobby, you guys obviously played in more than your share and coached in more of your share of big games, but 
how did you see to it that the team was ready to go at the right time? Well, you work on fundamentals every day. Every day you step on the practice field, uh, it's got to be like a game. You got to you got to uh, make sure uh, that you're taking care of the fundamentals, uh, blocking and tackling. And, and if you're a running back, you got to handle the football. The, uh, the the three things that determine a football game: number one, it's over ninety percent. The team that wins the uh, turnover battle is going to win over 90% of the game. So you're working on uh, ball, handling the ball correctly. You know, uh, you see silly things a lot early in the season. People are, will miss a handoff or, you know, they're, they're running down the field and they get stripped by a defensive back if a receiver catches the ball or a runner's running the ball. Uh, you know, you really got to work on those things and it's got to become a habit for you. And then, of course, blocking and tackling uh, has to be perfected. You work on it every day. It's something that's not natural to block or tackle. And if you work on those fundamentals, and it becomes a, a you know just a habit on the field. And then the other thing is being in great shape. Uh, you know you're going to play in a dome, so that the weather is going to be good in there. And you know it's about explosive plays. And uh, you know that's when you got a run that's over 15 yards or a pass that's over 25 yards. And both teams are going to have people that can make those explosive plays. But, uh, you know, the, the, the ranking order is take care of the football, then have explosive plays, and then the kicking game is going, is going to be huge. You know, that's the, the third factor that determines a game's. Billy, it's been 10 years since uh, Alabama and FSU played. You had retired the year prior to that, but I know you've watched – uh, what Alabama has done. Uh, if you're Jimbo and you're calling plays, you're the offensive coordinator. How do you how do you attack this Crimson Tide defense? Well, I think Jimbo is uh, he, he. You know, he's done great. They've done. I'm sure they've done great study on film and you know what they're going to do. Alabama lost a lot of defensive players, Keith, as you know. And Jimbo is going to be focused uh, he's going to know how to attack their defense because their defense coordinator was with us and he was looking at all the film but he's uh, you know he's going to do what his players do best and uh he will he calls a great game and he's got uh i was able to go watch a practice two weeks ago and he's recruited a bunch of really good athletes we got a quarterback that's coming back they got a quarterback that's coming back and uh, and our defense just improved last year, as you know, Keith, in the second half after a tough start. And that was very impressive of what they did, you know, at the end of the year, beating Florida and beating Michigan in a, in a really good game in the Orange Bowl. So I, I see uh, one heck of a football game Saturday night. And I, honest to goodness, I'm so glad I'm able to come up to Atlanta and watch that thing play, and it's going to be a uh, heavyweight battle. Now, I've got to tell this story because you've told it to me a dozen times, but you played at Leon High, got recruited mm-hmm. by the Bear, you yep. showed up in Tuscaloosa, and you were how many of freshman scholarship quarterbacks when you showed up at Alabama? Ten. I'm sorry, repeat that. Ten. Ten. Now, th- yeah. now process that for our listeners. Process that. Alabama signed ten quarterbacks yeah. in Billy's class. That was yeah, the right. age of unlimited scholarships, 
and and you show up and there are nine other freshman faces looking back at you that that is just hilarious to me well it wasn't hilarious to me (laughs) (laughs) well let let me ask you this billy i mean we're in a day and age now you're talking about going 10 deep with quarterbacks we're in a day and age now where if you're second team quarterback you're pretty much looking to transfer i mean it's just a different era different world than what it was uh certainly when you played or when you coached well, I tell you what, the you know, Coach Bryant was uh and you know Mickey, I coached with Mickey for many years here at Florida State. He recruited he recruited athletes and it you know, that was back in a in a time where, you know, you played you know, I played quarterback at Leon High School my last two years, but my sophomore year I played defensive back some. So, you know, he recruited those guys. I went up there and there was uh I ended up becoming the, the quarterback on the freshman team. Freshmen couldn't play back in that era. And uh, and then it just worked out that I was able to quarterback the four games for the freshman team, and then I redshirted. And then, you know, as things happened, they ended up going to the wishbone, and I was more of a throwing quarterback. Uh, and that's, you know, the reason I came back to Florida State, and I was very lucky to do that. But uh, you, you, a lot of those guys, uh, of those other nine guys i can remember two of them became receivers one became a defensive end one and the rest of them became defensive backs and then a i think there was only like two or three of those guys transferred to other schools uh after their freshman year but um it, it was it was different then and you know scholarships uh keith they dropped from I'm going to be vague on these numbers. I think each team could have up to 120 or 125 well, guys on it, scholarships. Yeah, it changed to 105. Well, it changed to 105 in like 73 or 74 because I got here in 77. Okay. You, you and I, right. well, we came together. You got paid. I was going to school. Uh, although I was you, coaching. Although you, I wasn't playing, though. What's yeah. my point? I'm sorry. <laughs> Clarification. Clarification. You were coaching and getting paid. I was just playing. Yes. Um, but then it dropped to um, – uh, 95 and as you mentioned as you well know it's it's 85 right. now and and candidly we don't need to get into it it's probably the best thing that's happened to college football uh in terms of, of having players that would be sitting somewhere else that are now recruited and signed and played absolutely. somewhere else absolutely absolutely uh it you know it really it brought you know what do we have 120 125 teams in the ncaa division one and, and and it and it you know it made it uh it gave a lot more, you know, there were some of these schools that would hoard players, you know, they would sign them and sign them and sign them. And then it, it would, and they wouldn't play. And it was in there. Uh, but now it's those 85 and you really probably don't have 85, you know, you probably are working with 80 and uh, it, it's, uh, it's changed the game and it's brought a lot more schools into the top 25 or the top 50 and, and give some of these teams, you know, a chance. And, uh, and it, and it really does make coaching more important. I think, you know, so where one team doesn't hoard 125 great athletes and, uh, it's, uh, you, you know, you've seen it happen over the years. Plus it's from a financial standpoint, you know, paying for scholarships and that type of thing. It's, it's reduced the amount of money, uh, that some of these schools, you know, there's a lot of schools that have a lot more money than other schools. So that's helped the financial part of it for the athletic departments. 
Well, and Billy, you know that firsthand as a fundraiser now for Seminole Boosters, that that's part of what Boosters does every year. And uh, I should right. mention we're talking with Billy Sexton, who uh, not only coached with Bobby for 30 years, but played at FSU, played at Alabama. We'll let you go on this. Uh, give me a give me a prediction on what's going to happen Saturday night. Uh, Florida State 28, Alabama 21. I like, I like the way you think. Spoken yep. like a guy who uh, works at Seminole Boosters and played at FSU, coached at FSU. No, I, I like the way you think, Billy. Have fun. Have I think it's I think it's going to be one heck of a football game. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll, one thing I'll leave you with: whoever wins, we could end up playing each other again at, in the final four. No question about that. A lot of football between now and then, though. I'm just anxious to get this one started on Saturday night, Billy. We'll see you in Atlanta. You bet. Thanks, Coach. Billy Sexton, you know, once a coach, always a coach. Even though that's his title now, we welcomed him to the program. I said, Coach, how you doing? That's yeah, it, it, you know, and, and literally, he came to Florida State as an assistant in '77. That was my freshman year. We we arrived at the same time, and he coached all the way up uh, until uh, uh, through '06. '06, yeah, and uh, was he is to me he and he and coach gladden i didn't have the opportunity to play for 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 coach andrews but my two favorite coaches were coach gladden and coach sexton because i was able to develop a relationship a friendship with them after playing uh, that has now extended for 30, 35 years. And I consider both of them friends. They're both quality individuals, and I, and I just enjoy every time I have to uh, – when I, when I do have the opportunity to chat with them. Have you noticed that we get to a sentimental section every week on the show now with Keith? We're going to need another sponsor for this portion of the program. We'll think about it and come back and wrap up on Front Row Knowles right after this. We don't need no education. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. That music is surely the indicator that uh, time is short uh, as we get ready to wrap things up. Keith, one thing I want to mention, and then I'll get a a final score prediction from you, I guess. But uh, if you're not headed... To the game this weekend you should be aware that the dunlap champions club uh, will be open they're going to be showing the game on the big board in doak uh it's a good deal general public tickets are fifty dollars uh if you're a booster member or a member of the university center club forty dollars for that ticket uh and your guest and it, it takes care of your food and the atmosphere uh and your non-alcoholic drink so uh, that's at the dunlap champions club on saturday night for the big game speaking of said big game keith let's hear what you got i think florida state uh jumps out early holds on at the end i think the final score is something like 21 17 florida state victorious and uh it is a big damn deal (laughs) and and which will be good (laughs) because tim has already created that headline yep do I need to make a pick, too, before we go? I'll oh, we're you. out of time. We'll talk to you next week. I, I think that uh, somebody's going to get into the 30s on this one. Um, you do, do you? I do, just because uh, the, the college game nowadays, I mean, a, a good defensive game could still be 31 to 24 or something like that. And uh, it's front row Knowles, so i got to take FSU, right? So that we can return and do this show again next week. Well, you'll be sitting a little differently if, if you don't, because I'll kick you in the butt. There you go. We'll talk to you again next week. Folks, enjoy the game. Football season is here. So long. I see the less I know, the more I like to let it go. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa. Deep beneath the cover of another. Place.
wonder where it's so 